and welcome. You're listening to the Genesis Podcast, the official podcast of the Genesis Community Church in Upland, California. It is our goal to inspire one another to change the world by effectively living in the way of Jesus. Check out our website, thegenesisstory.com. There, you can learn more about us, where and when we meet, ways to invest and support, but most importantly, how to get connected. Thank you for spending time with us today. Good morning. Good to see you guys here, and thank you once again for those of you who are following us online. I'm grateful that you are joining with us. Before we get started, a couple things we want to bring to your attention. One is we are going to be having a potluck. It is not something that you can attend to online. You actually have to <laughs> come to it and bring something with you. It's going to be at the Adelia's home, Delio and Mary's home, the Borja home, and it's going to be August 20th, Sunday, August 20th at 5 p.m. They are providing hamburgers and hot dogs, but if you can bring a side dish, something like that, uh, that would be great. We will have a sign-up online, so you can go to thegenesisstory.com and look for that information there. Or if you have... Uh, Mary or Adelia's phone number, text them and let them know, hey, I'm bringing, you know, uh, potato salad, whatever it is. That's the first thing came to mind. Um, and then if you want to bring something uh, special to drink, you can bring that. They all have some sodas and basic things. Uh, but the more we bring, the more it becomes, you know, something we can enjoy all together. And it would be great to see some of you uh, even there that maybe aren't able to make it here on Sundays. And so we hope that you guys can participate in that. Would love to have that time together. Mary's even said she's going to leave like guitars lying around. So, you know, that's cool. If you need a guitar, you can lift one and take it home. No, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, just a great time to enjoy one another. Um, also, we are trying to uh, expand our voice in the metaverse. Uh, that is so weird. Um, and so we are looking to go online on Facebook Live, on Spotify, uh, other areas, and we'll let you know, keep that posted as that happens. I know some people have had a hard time just connecting on YouTube Live and are more uh, familiar with some of the other platforms. And so we hope to do that in the near future. We'll let you know about that and have that information uh, as it comes up. But as we begin, let us pause and let us pray. Father, we are thankful for, once again, opportunity for us to open our hearts and ears and our minds to how you work and the things that are important to us and to life. And Lord, as we gather together, we recognize that we are just a small part of a larger collective of the body that represents Jesus throughout the world, throughout time. And our desire is to live into that responsibility well. And in doing so, Father, we, we want to care for those who are hurting. We again pray for Sue and her battle with cancer, for Ben and Kristen and the kids uh, to be a support to her as they can. Uh, we lift up our precious friends, patients in Ecuador, 
and the things they are going through this time and ask your grace be upon them to sustain and strengthen them. And Lord, may you give us empathy for those around us who are struggling so like Christ, we can bring healing and salvation. We are grateful for an opportunity to learn more how to do that and what that looks like together. Thank you for this time we have, Lord. We ask your blessing in Jesus' name, amen. Again, good morning, and today we are going to continue looking at some different words in Scripture, and today I want to look at the word peace and what that looks like. I remember when I was young and in high school, I had a family member who I really looked up to. It was a second cousin, and I looked up to them because I thought they're successful, you know, they've got money, they've got their own, you know, house. It was actually up in Padua Hills here a long, long time ago, which was the 70s. And uh, they had their own business, a music business. And they had all the things I was like aspiring to have at some point. I wanted to be a rock star, right? I didn't want to just be a musician. I wanted to be a rock star. There's a difference, you know. Um, and, and that was my shallow mentality. Uh, <laughs> I am a rock star. Uh, I remember the question came up, like, if you, what do you want most in life? And I was thinking, yeah, what do you want most in life? You've got a nice car. You've got a business. You're successful. What do you want most in life? And I remember them saying peace. And I remember it struck me. It's like, whoa, I, I guess you can have a lot of things but still be missing something, right? And, and, and that struck me and it kind of haunted me because it, it forced me to look deeper into situations and not be so, you know, surface in, in my understanding of the world that someone who I had wanted to be more like actually wanted something more was perplexing to me. But I, I think there's something about peace that draws us in something that appeals to us, and it covers a lot of things that I think we're going to see here, at least in Scripture. It has a lot of meaning. In 2016, the summer of 2016, the musical creator and star Lin-Manuel Miranda of Hamilton tweeted the following, everyone will sit under their own vine and under their own fig tree and no one will make them afraid. For the Lord Almighty has spoken, Micah 4.4. A few minutes later, he tweeted and said, I'm not particularly religious, but the notion of a world where everyone feels safe is calling me right now. And he would go on to tweet that again a few times. And if you're one of the few people who have never seen Hamilton, it was a line quoted almost verbatim in one of my favorite songs in the play, One Last Time, that was represented by the character George Washington. And this idea was supposedly something that George Washington was fond of writing in letters and giving out, the idea of everyone having a place where they could live safely under their own vine and fig tree. And what is it about Micah 4.4 that Lin-Manuel found so appealing? It's the vision of peace that we find in Scripture of a redeemed world, a world 
where everyone has equal access to basic human rights. Their needs are met. They're free to sit under that proverbial vine and fig tree and be cared for. Sometimes we mistakenly assume that peace is the absence, right, of hostility or tension or war, but there's a bigger conception in Scripture that is ultimately what creation is longing for. It is to have this harmony that shows up, a wholeness, a peace that is formed by us in our relationship with God, in our relationship with one another. And we go back into the Old Testament and look at the creation story, the Genesis story. <laughs> Where <laughs> that, was, that was bad. But when we looked at the book of Genesis, we saw that there were other creation stories, the Babylonian myth or the Mesopotamian epic of Gilgamesh, right, where the beginning of humanity began with violence, where the gods were angry and trying to establish themselves, and so there was killing and bloodshed, as opposed to the creation story found in Genesis where God creates and it was good. And it's not till later that we see the bloodshed erupt onto the scene when Cain kills his brother Abel. And so the story, the Israel story pushes forward where God is now trying to redeem what is being done to the creation he made. And so he makes a covenant with Abraham to pursue him and to push them into a place where they live at peace with God. And the story progresses. God moves to bring peace again through that covenant. And in Leviticus 26, verses five and six, it says, your threshing will continue until grape harvest and the grape harvest will continue until sowing time. You will have plenty of food to eat and live securely in your land. I will give you peace to the land and you will lie down with nothing to frighten you. I will remove dangerous animals from the land and no sword will pass through your land. In verse 12, it says, I will walk among you and be your God and you will be my people. I am Yahweh, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt so that you would no longer be their slaves. I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to live in freedom. It sounds like it's moving back to the garden, back to a place of harmony, back to a place where there is peace. And this is the picture of what peace looks like. This enjoying the land without the fear of these things. And this peace is spoken about in the Old Testament. It's not so much an inner peace that you get by meditation or prayer, It's a tangible peace experienced in the world that you're living in. In Isaiah chapter 55, Isaiah writes, you will indeed go out with joy and be peacefully guided. The mountains and the hills will break into singing before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush, a cypress will come up and instead of the briar, a myrtle will come up. It will make a name for Yahweh as an everlasting sign that you will not be destroyed. The idea of peace is now sustained. 
you will have this sustaining relationship in the land and with God. We saw earlier in Isaiah that this peace would be established by a new king, a special ruler who would lead Israel into a new vision in chapter nine, verse six, a familiar verse. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Again, we see this connection to government will be on his shoulders. The rule will be on him and he will be known as the Prince of Peace because peace for them included living in safety, living in a place where they could flourish. And many rulers claimed to bring peace, but usually it was at a cost. I think the first Avengers movie, we have Nick Fury and Loki talking and Loki comes in and he says, yeah, I'm coming to rule the world. And he says, I'm coming to bring peace. And Nick Fury says, oh, you say peace, but I think you mean the other thing, right? Because with peace, there's coming this rule that is going to be accomplished by oppression. Many rulers wanted to bring peace, but it usually brought war. So what kind of ruler could bring lasting peace without violence? Hmm, I wonder where this is going. Enter the New Testament. We get into the Greco-Roman era. And when we move forward into this area, the idea of peace through violence and conquest was strongly enforced. It still is today. It really is. Peace is accomplished by force. And we could say all kinds of things. Well, we're just strong so that no one can attack us, but then people keep going on the offensive to defend their peace. At the heart of Rome's celebration of peace was the Temple of Mars, which is the avenging god of war. On several styles of their coins throughout the first century, there was an image of the emperor on one side and on the other side, the personified attribute of peace, which was a woman with a sickle, which represented power and an olive branch that represented peace. And so these were things that they saw. We are living in peace because of our power and because the emperor has put us there. And any inhabitant of Rome would tell you that this peace came at a cost, right? The conquered foreigners would become slaves. They lived in a place where there was a lot of have-nots and only a few haves, that there was those who lived in the luxury and the benefits gained by the power, and there were so many that didn't because of the high exorbitant taxation that caused them to live in poverty and in subservient ways to the few. And this was peace. We give you peace. You do not have to worry about other nations coming in and conquering. We will protect you. And this is what peace looked like to them. But they all knew it looked like something that it wasn't really. The other day we were at uh, my daughter's house and she has a swimming pool over there. 
And we were swimming with the grandkids. And my grandson, Milo, who just turned five, he was, you know, learning how to swim. And so what he was doing is like jumping to me. He's like, okay, Grandpa, you know, I'm going to swim to you. And I'm like, okay. And so he would jump out and I'd have my hands. He goes, okay, put your hands out. And I'd put my hands out. He would jump and then, you know, he knew I was there to hold him. And I'd kind of move away and make him swim a little bit. And he knew I was holding him. But he was like, Mom, look, I'm swimming. Look, Mom, how many steps was that, Grandpa? Oh, that was like eight steps. See, Mom, I swam eight steps, right? He was just going on. But he knew I had to be there for this to work, right? So in Romans saying, yeah, we're living in peace. Yeah, we know that you have to fight and conquer and enslave for there to be this kind of peace. There was no doubt what was going on. Because anyone who questioned or challenged Roman order was punished. Insurrections, right, like Jesus, were executed because they were disturbing the peace. You are disturbing, disrupting what we are using to maintain our power and calling it peace. So living in peace was to live under the authority and protection of Rome's power. But peace in the New Testament is crucial to the message of Jesus. It's really at the heart, brought through Christ in so many different ways. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13, but now in Christ you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of the Messiah, for he is our peace, who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility in his flesh. Making two one is, is stopping the hostility between the Jew and the Gentile. And remember, Jesus is now seen as a king of kings, a lord of lords. It is a, a different kind of rule, right? And he brought this through by his blood. Peace with God was brought about through a covenantal offering in the Old Testament, a sacrifice that was part of the repentance to God. And it's kind of strange because the Bible never fully explains the logic of a material sacrifice or what it really accomplishes in making peace with God. It's never like, we do this because this is what, it's just like, this is a part of our worship and our coming before God and the you know covenant we have and the relationship and forgiveness, but then not really because we understand that God doesn't want the, the sacrifice. He wants obedience. And I think Jews and Christians both knew that God didn't need food and the death of animals didn't really solve a problem of sin. But the covenantal sacrifice system was seen as a a gracious means where God accepted the sacrifice made by the repenting sinner as a gift. I see, I acknowledge, I give. And I think that evolved as the gospel message went to the Gentiles where it wasn't even crucial to that message. But we see through Jesus that peace is now a promotion of a gracious attitude between estranged parties and the sacrifice isn't that of an animal, but of the one who is in charge, the, the leader, the emperor, the Lord, through his flesh. 
and true peace knits together to create a stronger whole, and it was accomplished through a new and better sacrifice, not from bulls and goats, but from Christ. The peace of God and peace with others isn't an easy path. It's filled with persecution. It's filled with hardship. It had to be fought for, had to be fought though in a different way, had to be fought in the way of Christ, not in the ways of Rome. And so there's this new mentality of now waging peace, right? Just like you would wage war, you are to wage peace. And like we've talked about with faith and grace, Those are words that aren't passive. And I think a lot of people think of peace as sitting back and doing nothing, but peace is anything but passive. It's very active. When Jesus waged peace, he's he's fighting for unity, fighting for wholeness, for harmony, waging war against hatred to selfish indulgence. So it's active. It's participatory in life, not resigning from. And I think just like hurt people hurt people and blessed people bless people, I think peaced people are the ones who can bring peace to people. I think that is why it's so central to who Christ is and is a part of the message of Christ. Peace with God and with others are two sides of that same coin. John writes in his gospel, chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus is speaking and he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Your heart must not be troubled or fearful. First of all, what kind of peace did the world give? Well, we talked about that. It was the peace of Rome. The peace that they give is living in fear of, abiding by their rules and their laws. Otherwise, you would be imprisoned because you didn't have the money to pay for your taxes because you weren't doing things according to their rule and their way Or like Jesus, you were promoting something that they saw as undermining their authority, and so you need to be executed. See, the peace he gives isn't like that. It's different. And it's interesting, don't let your heart be troubled or be fearful. Later on, Jesus would say, in the world you're going to have trouble, but be of good courage. I have overcome the world. Imagine being one of his followers, hearing that and thinking, yes, he's going to overcome. Your understanding of overcome is something that you've seen taken place by Rome over and over and over again. And Jesus comes and says, I am going to overcome the world. And then he's crucified. Boom. Rome won, Jesus zero, right? It's like, Man, that didn't go the way we thought it would. And I think we have such uh, advantage and privilege to be able to look back and see the words of Jesus and his teachings at a time when empire ruled with such authority and such power. 
at the heart of Rome, when it was mighty and strong, comes this person who says he has overcome the world and that this is what will last. And the people then thinking, man, you're crazy. He's, he's dead now. He's gone. But we are able to look back and say, we are here because of Jesus. Where's Rome? It's gone. But at that time, they couldn't. They didn't have the advantage that we have looking back. But the story doesn't end there because the story pushes them into something new. Later on in John chapter 20, verse 19, this is now moving into resurrection. In the evening of the first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because of their fear of the Jews. You remember Jesus just told them, don't be afraid. I've overcome the world. I'm bringing you this peace. Not like they do. It's different. Don't be afraid. Here they are hiding, afraid. And Jesus stood among them and said to them, what peace to you. Having said this, he showed them his hands and his side. So the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. In a closed room with the disciples hiding in fear, Jesus spoke familiar words, peace to you. And those words would echo in remembrance of when he said them prior would echo in what the word meant in society and it would transform what the word now means that we don't live in this fear and there is something now that holds us, that draws us in, that gives us a sense of health, salvation, that death cannot steal and take away. And to carry out the mission of Jesus, have to begin with the peace that he gives. Because that peace fights the fear that is seeking to control and rule. Resurrection life is a life that is born over and over again. He would say to them more than once, peace to you. I want you to live in this understanding, an understanding that they had inklings of from a garden long ago. I think it's fascinating that like salvation, peace is not considered an end in itself, but a beginning. It is a gift by God so that the people who bear his name, the name of Christ, can walk in the spirit of Christ and begin to bring change, to become peace makers. That as Christ overcame, now we get to overcome. First John chapter four, verse four, you are from God, little children, and you have conquered them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. How did they conquer them? Rome was still in power. They were still enslaved in so, so many ways. How did they conquer 
through peace with God and with one another. They were changing how they lived in a society that was seeking to control them. They chose to live by a higher authority that brought them peace with one another that would shake the foundations of the nation, that would transform the world. We have conquered, even as Jesus has. And and I think we have, again, so much more insight looking back because we can see the progress made. We can also see the, the problems made in the name of Christ. But to be a peacemaker is more than merely keeping peace. It means stepping in and producing it. And that's why the idea of peace being just something that you hold on to, I I think is missing the point. It is something that we form with others because peace requires another to be seen. I can have peace with God. No one can see it, but have peace with others. It's now tangible and seen. And, And I think it's supposed to have both of those. What does the peace of Christ look like today? How do we form it? How do we make it? How can it be established in our lives? Is it to sit back, trust that God is gonna make everything okay? Is it to be an activist and make sure that things are going to be okay because we're gonna make them okay? I think it's a little both. I think it requires both of them. There are times when the lifeboat is rocking and we need to hold on so that we don't fall over. And then there's times where we have to stand up and see what's rocking the boat because if I don't stop it, other people are gonna get thrown over. And we participate in both of those. I'm holding on, but I'm also looking out, trying to see what I can do to settle things, to help make things better. There are times when It's easy to see, and there's times where it's not so easy. Peace in Christ is not so much a place to rest as it is a protective layer around our hearts and souls that enables us to face the many difficulties and challenges of life with resilience and fortitude, right? We hold on, we are overcoming by our perseverance so that we can find rest where we are. That I don't have to have the right circumstances to have peace, that I can have peace where I am by the perspective I have in the God I believe in who cares for me. What does peacemaking look like? What's peacemaking going to look like next year with the election? That's a challenge. Social media is already exploding just kind of with rage regarding what's going to happen. And there's so much corruption already that we can see, and I think there's even so much more that we don't see. Really, it's crazy. But the spewing hate or ridicule is not going to bring about the love of God. Of course, talk, question, challenge, but don't sacrifice 
peace for pride. Disagree, debate, dialogue, but don't spew. Don't undermine to try and prove a point because I don't even see things right now as left or right. I think things are establishment and disestablishment. But that's my thing. I'm going to go a different route here. Unity can exist in spite of differences. Don't go to war with your neighbor to win peace. That's Rome's model, not Christ. And I want to end with Hebrews 13 that I think gives us a good outline of how to move forward as peacemakers. Chapter 13, verse 1, it says, Let love continue. What motivates what I say, what I do? If it doesn't promote love, it can't produce the peace of Christ. I want love to continue in whatever relationship I'm going to have with somebody. There are some people I'm struggling with right now. And I want to lash out and I, and I wrestle with how I should deal with that. But I want love to continue because that's how you're going to make peace. So sometimes that means putting my pride aside. Sometimes that means being patient, waiting, holding on, but looking to see what needs to be done. But I want love to continue. Verse two, it says, don't neglect to show hospitality. For by doing this, some have welcomed angels and guests without knowing. Everyone focus on, ooh, angels and guests without knowing. But what about just showing hospitality? Right, that was one of the requirements of someone who's going to be a leader in the church was that they have to have hospitality. It wasn't they need to read Greek. They need to know their Bible. They need to be exegeting the scriptures correctly. No, they just need to be hospitable because that represents Christ more than all that other stuff. Hospitality, hospitality is given not only to those you agree with, but even those you don't. I reposted a comment a while back on Instagram from an account that I was following. And someone, because of my posting it, started following that account. And those people went on, or that group went on to post other things, and they sent me a message. Have you seen what they posted? Blah, 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 this, 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 and this. You know, they're posting this. And I, you know, responded to them. I don't have to agree with everything that someone says to support their journey. I liked what they said here, and so I wanted to be hospitable to it. I might not like what they say tomorrow, but I might like what they say the next day. I'm going to be in conversation with them and journey with them through this. Show hospitality and you'll open the door for peace to enter. Verse three, remember the prisoners as though you were in prison with them and the mistreated as though you yourselves were suffering bodily. Prisoners and mistreatment are going together because oftentimes they did, especially at that time. This isn't about, you know, letting evil people get away with things. It has nothing to do with that. This is about practicing empathy. Empathy does not mean we have to adopt the view of the other. It does mean we even 
It doesn't mean we even have to like the view of the other, but it does mean that we have to humanize and not demonize the other. That I have to feel what they're feeling so that I could be a person who cares. Peace can only exist in a community of human respect. Verse seven, remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you as you carefully observe the outcome of their lives. Imitate their faith. Find people with character that you can imitate. I love it says, observe the outcome of their lives, right? Don't look at their success or popularity or their ministry, how many people. Look at the outcome of their lives. What is it producing, right? Is it producing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, self-control. If not, don't imitate it. Verse nine, don't be led astray by various kinds of strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be established by grace and not by food since those involved in them have not benefited. That was, again, a controversy at the time, the various kinds of foods. And what I get from this is just check your facts, people. Don't be led astray. Do a little research before you post something, before you say something. Think about it. Is this true? Do I have all the information? What can I say responsibly? I can even add, it looks like this is happening, right? Because based on what I'm seeing, what I'm hearing, it looks like there's a lot of UFO that now they call UAP phenomena, What does it mean? I don't know, but it looks like this is going on. But be aware of things and check the facts so that it's not just something you're throwing out there because you saw it on Instagram. I used to get, I don't anymore because I think I started Instagramming back to people. I used to get all these things people would send me like proving the Bible is true. Look at, they found these bones of a giant buried here. And I do a little search. It's like, no, here's the picture. Here's the, you know, Photoshop. It's not real. But we want to grab onto those things because we feel this. Just do some research. Don't be led astray. Don't be quick to disbelieve everything that we hear. In verse 16, it says, do not neglect to do what is good and to share. For God is pleased with such sacrifices. Why, these sacrifices look like Jesus. The big message of peace waging, whether it took place in the first century or it takes place in ours, is pretty simple. Do good and share with others. This is the sacrifice that is pleasing to God. This is the lives of These are the lives that will produce peace that we can live in with one another. And let's allow peace to be something that we actively form in our lives, in our communities, in the world because of who we follow in our imitating of Christ. Let's pray.
Father, going through this topic and looking at peace, I think I was challenged and convicted more than the other ones previously that I've talked about. As I see my part in forming and making, producing peace, and how selfish I've looked at peace in the past. And Lord, we all need time where we can have quiet, where we can be sustained by you. We all need time where we can sit under our own vine and our own fig tree and not be afraid. But we are also here to create a world where that takes place for everyone. Help us to live in this balance and in this way, Lord. Help us to be peacemakers, for then we are known as the children of God. That's when we bear your image. And I thank you for your example, Christ, that is so contrary to what we hear and see in so many ways, and yet is so enduring and so inviting to all. May we follow in your steps, we pray, in your name. Amen. May the peace of God guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, and may you make room for others to be guarded by that same peace. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week, and look forward to our conversation here just a few minutes. God bless you guys. You've been listening to the official podcast of Genesis Community Church in Upland, California. If you've been encouraged, found hope, been challenged by what you've heard, we'd like to ask you to help spread the word by sharing our podcast with your friends and family. You can also help support our podcast by visiting us at thegenesisstory.com. It has been our pleasure to have you join us today, and we hope you'll tune in again next week.